Are you I think ready? You have to raise the volume on the mics. Why do I hear my that? <laughs> Your mouth opening. Yeah, I don't like that sound. Do I have to talk super close? No. It doesn't. But make sure you well. talk where the symbol's facing you. That's why. Oh. <laughs> wow, that was Wait. so much louder. Listen to this. When we were recording, when I was recording for the first time, I was recording like this. The whole time. And I was like, why does my yeah, voice sound so distant? And it's because I didn't turn it here. Oh my goodness. Okay, this is good. Hey guys, it's Feline, and welcome back to Feeling Feline, a podcast about what it's like being in your 20s in the 20s. Today, I'm actually bringing in a really special guest, and it's my very dear sister who I love so, so much, but I'm super excited to be talking to you guys about everything she's been going through, including coronavirus, and even just the bigger things in life, including all the major issues with social media. So let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to Feeling Feline. Today I have a super special guest that I'm so excited to bring into this episode, and it's my sister. Hey, Ooh. sissy. What's up? Hi. How you doing? How's life? Um, It's okay. It's a little hard right now, but we're pushing. Well, that's actually what I wanted to ask you about because I'm You've had a lot of experience with COVID, first with school and with your routine changes. And what is it? You had coronavirus, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I actually had COVID the day that Trump announced that he got COVID, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, I did end up having COVID-19. Um, not because I was going out all the time, but... Because my boyfriend's family got it, and his siblings went to school and got it from there, so I ended up testing positive um, during my first midterms. Yikes. Yeah. Well, I've heard a lot of different things about coronavirus. Obviously, people experience it differently. So how was it for you? Was it, you know, fever, cough, all that stuff? Um. So... For me, it wasn't as bad as as a cold, actually. I'd actually prefer getting COVID-19 than a cold. Wow. Um, like, for me, it wasn't um, as terrible as it was for um, my boyfriend's family. Like, I just had, I had, like, eyeball headaches and a stuffy nose, and I couldn't taste or smell anything for the longest time. And that was the worst thing about it, because it took away the simplest things in life, like the simplest um, pleasures in life. And eating felt like a chore. Wow. So, mm -hmm. It was terrible. I had Chipotle, and, and I you couldn't, couldn't taste, taste it. <laughs> it was terrible. And I had no appetite at all. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I could tell when things were sweet, when things were salty or sour, but I couldn't taste actual flavors. Like when I was brushing my teeth, I couldn't taste that it was minty. I could feel that it was minty, but not taste it. But do you think that you could feel it was minty because you already experienced it, that it tasted minty? If I thought really hard enough about the flavor that I was tasting, I could kind of taste it. You said the your sinuses or whatever, they were like clogged up. You couldn't taste or smell. Did you think that at first you had some kind of like sinus infection? Is that how it felt like at first? 
Uh, kind of. It wasn't really stuffy. I thought I had a cold. Wow. It wasn't stuffy. I could smell, I mean, not smell, I could breathe completely fine from my nose, but I just couldn't taste or smell, which was really weird. So weird. It was very weird. Like, it felt weird to breathe, kind of, and I was so tired throughout the entire two weeks I had it. And I was the most unmotivated I've ever been in my entire life. Do you think that after coronavirus, your immune system feels a little different? Like, do you think that you're more susceptible to getting it again? Or what do you think? I don't think I'm more susceptible to getting it again. I mean, anyone really is. But I have like the antibodies or whatever. Um, So not that that makes me immune, but... I think I'm okay for like the next couple of months, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to go out and do the same things that I would. Right. And I remember you thought you had it and how was it? So were you worried about, you know, our parents and our brother having it? I was so scared. Like that was my biggest fear. I didn't want to get it and spread it to them. So I was really praying and hoping that it was only a cold or a flu because that's what it really felt like at first. But before the test, I was freaking out. You know, I was texting you. I was texting my friends, really hoping that I didn't have it. But, you know, once I did have it, we took all the necessary precautions with it. Yeah, and I think luckily you were kind of always in your room, so it was kind of easier for you to not spread it, which I was kind of thankful for because, I mean, not going to lie, when you told me you maybe had it, I was, like, worried, but not really because I knew that, you know, mom and dad were not really around you all the time. So I felt like even when everyone got tested, I was pretty confident that, you know, our brother and our parents weren't going to get it. Yeah, and especially because um, mom and dad are super... Um, really careful about not getting it because they know how it could affect our family. But it was definitely hard being quarantined in my room, literally not seeing any human being, Um, not being around anyone, and only being on my online calls for school. So I would wake up, look at the screen, and go back to bed because I'm super tired. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you are feeling better, and I'm glad that it kind of didn't spread through the whole family because my listeners know that I live outside of the house, so obviously I couldn't visit you guys, and I was super worried and just freaking out the whole time. I was anxious for you guys, so I'm happy that at least you were able to ride it out without really a lot of issues or anything. Thanks. Yeah, it was definitely really scary, but I'm glad that it went well um, and that I uh, had a speedy recovery. So. Right. That's good. Well, what about, so that is how coronavirus affected you and your health directly. How has the coronavirus and the COVID situation kind of affected your social life, your school life, your emotions, your physical health, just everything? It was it was really hard. Honestly, those two weeks were really, really terrible for me. But um Mentally, it was really draining. One of them being because I couldn't taste or smell anything. Um, that that was really bad. So I was tired and, um, you know, out of energy. 
my social life, I actually watched uh, The Social Dilemma and I ended up deleting all of my social media. I was iffy about social media anyway, so just watching that movie kind of pushed me to um, delete it. And uh, physically, you know, I was just tired all the time. I was the most unmotivated that I've ever been in my entire life. Uh, so doing work was really hard and doing my classes were really hard too. Do you think that you learning online, are you learning more or better or kind of figuring out that online school isn't for you? Because truth of the matter is, I mean, it's going to be kind of part of the future, kind of online learning. And I feel like a lot of schools are going to shift how they teach things, especially because of coronavirus, because we don't know how long this is going to last. So do you think that the future of online learning, is it a positive one? Is it a bright one? Is it something that's going to essentially help people learn more? I'd like to think that it's positive, but honestly, it's really not. Taking away that human aspect during class is is really tough. Um, And just not being able to learn in person is really, really tough. And, you know, like online learning, it's, it's easily... Um, you're so easy to get distracted. You know, your phone is right there, so you're more likely to pick it up. Um, You don't see other people in class focusing, so you're more inclined to check your phone. Um, And I feel like, in my opinion, the professors are actually giving more work because they think that we have more time. So doing things at home really blurs the line between personal life and work life, which is, it has been really tough because I would feel guilty for... um, giving time for myself to do things because I feel like oh my god I have to do this work I have to do this by that deadline and I've seen it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's it's really tough I would like to say that um it's headed toward a positive direction but in my opinion it's really not it's it's really tough and I've seen that pattern with mental health and online learning for me I mean I'm doing my master's right now so I'm also online, but I've been online even before, and I have noticed that there's like a significant difference in me wanting to learn. I mean, obviously, I'm paying for school, so I want to put in more effort, but because I'm online, I find myself more distracted, exactly everything that you were saying, and just having coronavirus take away my social life and just anything really to do, even going outside to eat, I couldn't do, and I felt like Every day I was like suffocating and I was super anxious all the time. Mm -hmm. Especially when I had COVID too, like not even being around people in general. You know, it was just really hard. Okay, so you mentioned something earlier and it was the social dilemma. So you had asked me for probably two or three weeks straight every day to watch it. And I finally did. And I have to say it is one of the greatest movies ever. It's not even a movie. It's more like what a documentary. And it has taught me so much. So how did you even like hear about it or? So um, my boyfriend and I, we, we've been talking about social media and the impacts of social media that it has on society And even when having COVID and even during this online environment, um, you know, I was I was more inclined to go on Instagram, on Snapchat more than ever, uh, more than I was in person at school last year. Um, And that to me was just so unsettling, Um, just having my attention on social media during my free time was so 
it was unsettling for me. I didn't want to be wasting years of my life on social media. Um, so then naturally I was on Netflix and I stumbled across this movie and I sent it to him and I'm like, oh my goodness, we have to watch this. So while we had COVID, we FaceTimed, we Netflix partied and watched The Social Dilemma together. And then from there, it was eye-opening and mind-blowing um, because um, I don't know if any of you guys have watched The Social Dilemma, but it's basically about like CEOs of these high-tech companies of all of these social media companies come together and talk about the dilemma of social media in society and on people's lives. So, And I think maybe not my generation, I think more of yours, but both of us, we kind of grew up in a more outdoor setting. I mean, we were super outdoors, biking all the time, camping. Mm -hmm. We weren't really on our phones a lot. And I feel like the pivotal moment was when I started high school. I don't know. I think that was when the first iPhones came out. And I think Apple definitely has a huge part in everyone's addiction to social media. Or maybe it was Facebook. But that movie basically says that all the other companies combined are causing this major issue. So if there's a place to start, where do you think you should start in terms of not having social media kind of control you because I mean even kids Keith's age our brother he's so crazy addicted to social media his phone and gaming and if there's something you could tell him growing up or tell kids his age or people that are approaching their 20s what do you think would be the first kind of step to not be so attached to social media First, I would tell them to keep in mind to be their genuine and authentic selves as possible because, you know, I feel like it, it's hard to tell kids these days not to be on social media. So I think trying to have them keep in mind to be them their genuine selves um, is, is really a good first step and maybe try to educate them on the impacts of social media and how it impacts our mental health and maybe go into a conversation about the time limits that, um, you know, I know Instagram has that, YouTube has that. A lot of social media apps have those time limits for that reason. So just to keep in mind that, or even to watch The Social Dilemma, just to educate themselves. Do you think that social media also includes the act of, you know, playing video games and having someone watch um them play video games do you think that also ties into kind of an addiction to social media or sometimes do you think that video games are a good outlet because you know instead of going outside and doing crazy stupid things they're inside playing video games and streaming so there's always going to be this weird pro and con to all types of social media so do you think that video games kind of tie into that issue I don't necessarily think that video games are part of social media. I do think that nowadays, because everything's online, people are actually connecting even more on video games. Like, I've been playing Among Us with a whole bunch of people. And me. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, and I know that, I don't know, there's there's just a whole community within the video game like industry and people watching it. But what I see social media as is people posting things about their lives that may not really be true. Um and that being valued through a number, a number of likes, and how that gives value towards someone's life. You know, I see that as 
very problematic and you know it's it's kind of a standard that we have as a generation like how am I going to rate myself um, in terms of numbers how do I rate other people in terms of numbers like I need so many followers to be accepted I need this amount of likes to be accepted you know a lot of people go really go out of their way to reach that number of likes to reach that number of comments so that's what I see as problematic yeah, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of that. I used to put up pictures, and if I didn't get enough likes, I would take down the picture. And I've gotten better over the years. I think after, honestly, high school, I felt like it was stupid to keep putting up pictures just for the fact to see, you know, who likes them. But I think that it's hard for people to let go of social media because I think we're so used to not we're so used to being on our phones that we can't talk to people anymore. Like even on a train, right? For example, if I get too anxious, I take out my phone and I start scrolling on social media because I literally cannot stand the in the fact that I'm with here, all these people and no one to talk to. And I feel like everyone's staring at me. So I feel like also your emotional feelings kind of play into it. It's It's very habitual. I think a lot of people just have a habit of going on social media once they wake up, right before bed, uh, while they eat, while they use the bathroom, you know, anytime they have free time, like it's it's become such a habit and people are wasting a lot of time just being on social media, just scrolling over posts that they probably don't really care about um, in the end of it. But not only that, but like these businesses that own these these social media companies, they put in ads and they profit off of those ads, basically profiting off of people's attentions. And that's what I see as a problem too. They use these algorithms and they know more about you than you probably know about yourself. They know your patterns, your habits, um, the amount of time you looked at a specific post, what you've been Googling, and they use that to their advantage to profit off of you. And a lot of businesses nowadays, they're always profit over people. They don't care about how people are wasting time scrolling on the internet. All they care about is the money that they're getting and the profit that they are getting. So I think, you know, that's a problem nowadays. People are obsessed with power and with money. It's always profit over people, which is, and social media is just contributing to that problem. But you know what I think is crazy? I don't think a lot of people are aware that they're basically being mind not, controlled. Yeah, mind controlled. They're not even people to these companies and they're more robots, basically, and things to look at for patterns. And they're basically data points mm-hmm. to look for patterns. I think people have an idea of it. I mean, I at least hope I had an idea of like, you know, I would see ads all the time. I would just like skip past them. Um But watching The Social Dilemma was just super eye-opening just to hear from the CEOs and the, you know, the big tech people of these companies. And they know it's a problem. And I would hope that people are trying to do something about it because this is affecting, like, the election, how people view other people um, of other races, of other religions. You know, like, conspiracy theories spread so fast on Facebook. Fake news spreads six times faster on Twitter than it does real news. And I think also one of the biggest problems too is that we don't have one reliable like news source that we can look to. 
you know, a lot of people that I've talked to, like, they don't know much about the election or like the candidates and stuff because they got most of their information on Instagram or Facebook. And there's no reliable like source that you can look at to get that information, you know, and the election is super important that dictates how we're going to be living the next four years of our lives. And I think that's a that's a really big point to to consider with social media and the election and the government in general. Yeah. And I think it's crazy because something really crazy from that movie that kind of stuck in my brain is that if you Google something and you know, the, how they have the drop down of suggested, you know, mm-hmm. what's the remaining of uh, what you're trying to type into the search bar. I thought it was interesting that in different areas of the world, it's different. Mm-hmm. Like you could look up why is America? And then in America, it would say, why is America great? But in other countries, it's like, why is America a terrorist type of country? Or is democracy good for you in one place? And in other places, is democracy basically destroying the US? All these different types of things. Isn't that kind of crazy that even Google, a company that almost everybody trusts, you know, if you have a problem, they're like, oh, just Google it. Isn't it crazy that even that search engine doesn't really give you a neutral response mm-hmm. or a neutral kind of articles or responses to anything that you're looking for. It's yeah, that's that that is crazy. Like like you said, if you look up like um, Democrats are versus like in the Northeast versus in the South, there are two different results in that Google search engine. So weird, and that dictates like you know the information that they're looking up about it. The fact that Google, which is such a standard normal thing in our lives does that it's it's a little scary you know because you're wondering like where am I getting my information from and I wish that Google would not filter but say whether or not this is a reliable news source this is not a reliable news source I think maybe that might be a solution to things that are happening but okay so you say market as a reliable source and this kind of ties back into what I heard into the movie. How do you look at an article or look at a website and claim that is reliable? Like, what is the type of technology that's needed? I feel like that's still kind of lacking in how technology is right now, that they need some type of software or some type of coding that will be able to determine if something is really reliable or not. Mm-hmm. It's definitely really hard. I had this conversation with someone, too. With technology today, I, I feel like it it could be possible to to do so but i just don't know like the legal aspects with google and if they're allowed to do that or not i think it's i think we could make it happen if there's a well there's a way you know yeah and i'm sure there's something i mean and even articles you need to write for your paper how do you know it's reliable because it came from this type of database that is apparently trusted or like safe for your paper so maybe if more companies had something like that i feel like it would be useful but i think it's still going to be a long process because these companies are making money by basically draining the brains of everyone using them. Mm-hmm. That's a huge, huge problem because once again, even with like democracy and Democrats versus Republicans, like, and I, I think I mentioned the conspiracy theories on Facebook and I feel like that's one of the reasons why people are so closed-minded because because of these algorithms, they only see one type of way of thinking. So they're not open to the other side. They're not, they're not, there's no conversation happening because on Facebook, you know, these, these groups that they form, 
that's where some people get their information about the government and what's happening in the country. And, you know, if there's no dialogue between people with differing opinions, then we're not going to get anywhere. And social media really contributes to quote unquote communities. Like once you start looking one thing up, that's all you're going to see. Like if you look up, I don't know, something on Amazon or on Google, like look up MacBook charger, you're going to get Apple ads on Instagram. You're going to get these ads on Twitter, on Facebook, on Snapchat. But I hope that by people listening to this, I think it's important to continuously communicate the issue and maybe in school it'll become a more popular topic. But I hope that by the time that happens, it's not too late. Do you know what I mean? I feel like we're already on that path of basically technology destroying us. And I feel like not many people want to think about it because... Even here in Jersey, maybe New York, even worse, or California, everything's so busy. People don't have the time anymore to just sit down, relax, or realize that, oh, using my phone for five hours or six hours a day is a really bad habit. So I think that's also another issue that it needs to be communicated more. And it needs to be a topic that's more talked about in school, especially for kids that are starting high school, where it's basically a huge time of people feeling pressured, especially in social media. And I think that's so sad because the amount of suicides, the amount of depression in just high school kids, it's a serious problem. And I don't think that it's really being focused on compared to other things. And I seriously think that teenage mental health needs a lot more attention. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. And you and even with like TikTok, you know, you can find 13 year old girls dancing on TikTok and who knows who could be watching those videos. Who knows if there could be a creepy 70-year-old man. Pedal creep. Pedal creep watching these videos, you know? And yeah. I think I think a lot of people don't want to admit that this is what social media does. And I think that's also a problem. But a bigger problem is that people aren't educated and they just don't know. Well, speaking of education, let's kind of talk about what you're doing for school. Oh, so... um. <laughs> I attend Rutgers University and I'm majoring in industrial systems engineering with a minor in philosophy, political science, and economics. And what do you kind of, I know industrial engineering is very big, but obviously engineering is kind of improving the future and making it better for future generations. So what do you kind of want to come out of this degree and what do you want to do eventually in the workforce, something that you're really passionate about? Uh, so lately, I've been watching a ton of videos about um, like social issues and politics and stuff like that. As an industrial systems engineer, I really hope that I could actually get into like the social media industry and business and try to make things a little bit more ethical and try to help people see, you know, we need to start putting people over profit. We need to start putting people above anyone else you know i feel like that lack of empathy that we've been i guess developing in a, in this country has been just terrible you know and i feel like you know with this mindset i hope to make this kind of impact and to hope i could just impact a whole wide variety of people through this so i just i just want to help people i want to do good i want to serve the community i want to give back to the community that i was raised in you know and i think a lot of people want to feel the same way but don't act upon it and i feel like a lot of what industrial engineering or engineering in general is kind of being the forefront of the people who are 
not really confident or don't have much of a voice to speak on what they feel like needs to be improved on. And I think that that's a good career choice. And I think there's a lot of good things coming your way. Thanks. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, if I could go back in time. I mean, I was a biomedical engineer and I'd love to do something with it. But anyways, back to industrial engineering. Do you think now, okay, so you're almost in, well, you're almost 20. Yeah, you're going to be 20 in January. Mm-hmm. It's coming up. Crazy. <laughs> you have an older sister, aka me, the best sister ever. So watching kind of me go through my 20s so far, do you think there's these huge major life lessons or things that now that at least you're, you know, coming into coronavirus, into all these issues, environmental, social media, and everything that's kind of your generation's kind of stuck with eventually when, you you know, the older generations kind of die out. What do you think are major lessons or things that you feel like are important to keep thinking about as you go through your 20s? Mm, that's a really tough question. <laughs> um, I think be true to yourself and to just genuinely be yourself and to live an authentic life, you know, do what makes you happy, follow your passions and just basically that and try to better yourself as much as you can during these times because it is really hard right now um, and it's hard to lose track of what you're focused on especially because of COVID-19. But I think just keeping that in mind, because, you know, this the 20s is where you really grow, I feel like. Definitely. Like who I was just even a couple years ago, just in high school, I never thought that I would be as interested in humanities as I am right now. Yeah, and I think um, when you hit 20 or 21, it's a great time, obviously, because you can finally go out and have a good time. But things start to hit you really quickly and life really gets in your face because this is basically your future with everything going on, even elections and how the environment is being um, put at risk and the amount of attention we're putting into major issues. It's going to be something that's on your plate. And I hate to say it, but I'm truly confident that your generation can go and fix what we unfortunately have not been able to and we're still in the process of course you know we're my generation still in the mid-20s but I think it's going to take more than our generation to fix it but I have seen a lot of people in your age that are just approaching their 20s that are very passionate about the environment and wanting to make the world a better place and kind of get rid of social media and all these pressures. So I think everything's going to get better, but over time. I really hope so. You know, I I do see that there are a lot of people my age really educating themselves about these issues. Um, But I just hope that more people can open their eyes towards the impacts, the negatives of social media. And I think if that issue was tackled first, then a lot of issues can be um, solved from that. But social media is just a huge, huge problem that I can't emphasize enough because of the impact that it has. That being said, I really hope that that everything will end up okay and that there will be actual change. Um, I mean, even with like the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, a lot of people are super passionate about that and they're starting to get their voices heard and even with the lgbtq community you know there's a lot of good things happening but we still got a lot of work to do yeah definitely and i think if we start tackling these problems one by one uh, we can get the next generations to continue this path and i guess 
on a more larger scale, it's hard to make a big effect right away. You know, it's hard to just be like, oh, I want change and I want it to change now. So in terms of kind of what we do in our everyday lives, what do you think is kind of important to continuously and actively do in your everyday life and thinking to kind of change how the world is now? I think just to keep an open mind in terms of anything and everything. When other people have opinions, like keep an open mind with what they have to say. Um you know, just just having an open mind and just being aware that, um, you know, there's a lot of biases and assumptions uh, one makes in their life that, you know, could lead them to a certain way of thinking or whatever. So just to keep an open mind, I feel like, throughout your life. Yeah, and I think having an open mind is kind of hard because you're basically used to one way of thinking but like every day I feel like you kind of have to force yourself to be more aware of things and more open to other people and that's why I feel like socializing is really important and kind of being open to talking to different people and not just you know the circle that you've known for 10 to 12 years so Mm -hmm. and definitely living in the present too yes um one thing that I saw would be people in a group they would just be on their phones, on on social media, scrolling mm-hmm. through, not really interacting with one another. And I feel like if we tackle these problems with full force, with these protests, with saying what we want to change, that's the only way that we will progress little by little. Definitely. Well, um, you know, that's basically all I have from my end. But I know you have midterms coming, so I s- super super appreciate your time and I know this isn't going to be the only time you're going to join because I'd love to even just talk to you about you know starting your 20s and things and hearing kind of how your experience is different from mine so thanks I really appreciate the time that you put in for this episode thanks for having me I'd love to join again this is really cool so all right awesome and good luck with your midterms I hope you kick butt Thanks. I'm going to need it. Well, that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed and were super excited about hearing so many new things about our special guest. But anyways, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just want to talk about anything that you'd like to hear on the podcast, feel free to DM me on Instagram at at Podcast. That's at F-E-E-L-I-N-P-H-I-L-L-I-N-E podcast. I'm also on Twitter now at at And I even made a TikTok too. And my TikTok is at Feeling Feline Podcast. So thanks guys. Stay tuned for the next episode. And I'll definitely talk to you guys soon. Bye.